When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't come over here after two months and start analyzing me. What do you know? How do, how do you get so wise to come over here, man? You, you live at home. You live the most coddled existence of anybody that I know of, and yet you'll come in here and tell me that you have some ideas to what I'm going through, man. You have no idea. Dylan, at this point in time, I'm about the only friend you got. Are you sure you want to do this? May the bridges I burn light the way. Just after 9 o'clock on the morning of February 27th, 2019, Luke Perry, a kid from a tiny town in central Ohio who parlayed his stunning good looks into immense fame as the brooding bad boy of Beverly Hills, with his portrayal of heartthrob Dylan McKay on Beverly Hills 90210, suffered a stroke at his home near Los Angeles. A woman believed to be Perry's fiance, Wendy Bauer, discovered Perry and called 911. She was calm throughout the call, reporting to the operator that she had just arrived home and found Luke in dire condition. She urged the operator to send help immediately. It took paramedics about 12 minutes to reach Perry's house. When they arrived, Luke was reportedly responsive and had control of his faculties. He was aware of his surroundings and alertly answered various screening questions. Despite the terrifying event, there was hope he would be okay. But over the next several minutes, as he was attended to by EMTs before being loaded into the ambulance and driven to Providence St. Joseph's Medical Center 10 minutes away, he began to destabilize. The emergency room team that greeted and first examined Luke saw he was in real danger, so they sedated him in an effort to give his brain the opportunity to heal from the trauma of the stroke. Luke's son Jack joined Wendy Bauer at the hospital shortly after Luke arrived, and they were soon followed by Luke's parents, sister, and his ex-wife, all of whom were told his condition was serious, but there was reason for hope. A statement from a family spokesperson the next day seemed to dismiss the possibility that Luke might die, instead framing the matter only as whether or not he would be able to make a full recovery. But over the next few days, Luke's condition worsened and optimism faded. One person not initially with Luke was his 18-year-old daughter, Sophie, who was over 10,000 miles away in the southeast African country of Malawi, doing charity work at a rural outpost. Sophie and Luke were extremely close, and she would later talk about him as a doting and supportive father who brimmed with pride over the philanthropic work she was doing in the developing world. When, somehow, she was tracked down and given word of her father's condition, She immediately began the arduous journey to get back to Los Angeles as quickly as possible. It took her a few days, and when she arrived, she found that her father was barely clinging to life. She would later say that she made it, quote, just in time, and she was able to say her goodbyes. A short time later, on the afternoon of March 4, 2019, Luke suffered a second stroke and passed away. Luke Perry was 52 years old. I'm Jason Beckerman. I'm Derek Kaufman. This is Last Days, Luke Perry. The medical examiner who conducted Luke's autopsy concluded he'd suffered from an ischemic cerebrovascular accident, otherwise known as an ischemic stroke. It is the most common type of stroke and happens when blood clots occur within vessels leading to the brain. This cuts off the flow of blood and oxygen, causing brain cells to die. Even with immediate medical care, those lucky enough to survive often have some form of irreversible brain damage. 
Though ischemic strokes are a leading cause of death among men, they almost never strike people as young as Luke Perry. Absent other significant risk factors, such as obesity, prolonged tobacco use, or drug or alcohol abuse. Luke Perry had none of those factors. He was thin and muscular, worked out regularly, didn't do drugs or drink to excess, and hadn't smoked in a couple of decades. His only health issue was a precancerous polyp he'd had removed during a colon screening a few years earlier, but it is extraordinarily unlikely that had anything to do with the blockage that took his life. In fact, the medical examiner was unable to identify any contributing factors that may have caused the stroke. In the final analysis, it was just a tragic event that was not readily explainable and likely was not preventable. Luke's son Jake, a highly regarded prospect for All Elite Wrestling using the pseudonym Jungle Jake, was the first member of Luke's family to post a farewell tribute to his father, saying, quote, I learned so much from you. My heart is broken thinking about everything you won't be here for. I'll miss you every day that I walk this earth. I'll do whatever I can to carry on your legacy and make you proud. His daughter, Sophie, likewise posted a series of loving tributes to her father. But in doing so, Sophie was reminded what an awful place the internet can be, especially for young women. Trolls began posting despicable comments, criticizing her appearance and the way she dressed, the charity she supported, and even the way she chose to mourn her father, with the clear intent to maximize her trauma. Sophie fired back, writing in part, quote, Since my dad died, I have received a lot of attention online, and most of it has been positive, but of course, some people just can't be nice. And I'm here to say that I did not ask for this attention. I'm 18. I swear like a sailor, and sometimes I dress like a hooker and I support causes you may not. Yes, I am hurt and sad and crying and beside myself with what happened to my dad. It's the worst thing to ever happen in my life, and I am torn the fuck up over it. But I'm not going to sit in my room and cry day in and day out until the internet has deemed it appropriate for me to do otherwise. And if you knew my dad, you would know he wouldn't want me to. So you shouldn't either. So to those of you shaming me for my language and my wardrobe and most disgustingly my grieving process, do us both a favor and just unfollow. It's a waste of both of our time. Sophie's response to the trolls garnered her a lot of praise, most notably from Luke's former 90210 castmates, who, in addition to publicly supporting Sophie, talked about Luke as a generous friend and devoted father. Jenny Garth, who played Luke's girlfriend Kelly Taylor on the show and who remained close friends with him over 20 years after the show went off the air, spoke for the group when she said that Luke was, quote, one of the kindest and most humble human beings I've ever known, and he, quote, adored his kids beyond words. You know, Jason, it's unimaginable to have to process your father's death at 18 years old and deal with the negativity on the Internet from just assholes. It, it, so the way she handled it was really with a lot of poise and grace, I thought. Talking about Sophie Perry is a little bit of a departure from the core sort of purpose of this podcast, but I thought it was so interesting, A, that people went after her. She's really pretty. She looks like her dad. She's got big curly hair, but she's she's really intelligent and was doing this charitable work, and, and he was so proud of her. And I thought it was interesting, not only that people came after her, the internet's an awful place. People go after people for everything, but her counterpoint, her statement in response was so strong and and prideful. I just thought it was really important. It, it really to talk was perfect. It. I was surprised at the time. I remember Sophie getting this backlash and wondering how she would respond. I was genuinely surprised. You know, the internet's an awful place, but Luke Perry was pretty beloved. Yeah. And so I was surprised that anyone, and it just shows you, you know, the internet is filled with creeps in, in a lot of ways, but to go after an 18-year-old who had just lost her father, whose, whose father was not a controversial figure, it's just unimaginable. It, it, it never stops amazing us how bad people can be yeah. behind the veil of anonymity that the internet gives them. It's just awful. Anyway, the tragedy of Luke Perry's death is compounded by the fact that he was enjoying a remarkable and unanticipated career renaissance when it happened. 
Perry had, like his former 90210 castmates, toiled in relative obscurity since the show ended in 2000. He initially had a bit of a run, appearing in 10 episodes of the HBO show Oz from 2000 to 2001, in which he played a corrupt preacher who embezzled his church's funds. And then in a modestly successful biopic, Eight Seconds, in 2004, playing fallen rodeo legend Lane Frost. But since then, his career was mostly confined to bit movie parts and single episode appearances in serial TV shows like Criminal Minds and Community, and almost always playing dark, brooding, and introverted characters that resemble Dylan McKay. In many ways, this was the fate of all of the 90210 cast. Few shows in the history of television are such cultural phenomena, with characters who resonate so deeply with young and influential audiences. So it isn't surprising that the actors were pigeonholed. None of the cast enjoyed sustained success after the show went off the air, and whatever roles they did get resembled those they'd once played on 90210. Jason Priestley, Shannon Doherty, and Ian Ziering did okay with other roles on middling projects, but Denny, Jenny Garth, Gabriel Carteris, Brian Austin Green, Tori Spelling, these were all enormous A-list stars until 2000, and they really did very little since. There was that effort, I don't know if you remember, Derek, in the late 2000s to reclaim the 90210 magic with a kind of wacky reboot called BH90210. It leaned into the actor's lack of continued success. The concept was weird. Each of the main actors played themselves, dealing with the potential relaunch of a reboot of the original show. And it generated dismal ratings and was canceled after six episodes. But it was, again, this effort to gain some sort of late career fame that none of them had been able to achieve. Yeah, they were tapping into a bit of like self-awareness of the phenomenon that the show had been uh, yeah. from its 10-year run. But, you know, I saw all those actors and you list them out. They do exist in this sort of time capsule. They they did make some attempts at, at relevance in the 2000s and 2010s and really just struggled with it. I think Luke Perry, as we'll discuss sort of was the only one who was able to emerge from the pack. Shannon Doherty had a good run on Charmed and, and things of that nature. early on, and the they shows were weren't huge. And I, Jason Priestley had one where he was like an archaeologist or something, you know, an Indiana Jones type of person, but that never really went anywhere. Ian Ziering had the Sharknado movies where he sort of leaned in to kind of almost parodied the, the, the character that he had been, the Steve Sanders character he had been. It, it, you know, there was never... Uh, Tori Spelling went into reality television. Yeah, Jenny yeah. Garth had, I think, an HGTV show. So right. they, they found ways to work in Hollywood, but it, it doesn't give you a sense of how huge they were on Beverly Hills now. It's not like Ed O'Neill, who came from Married with Children and then found Modern Family. None of them really had that big second act. Right, but then in 2017, it finally happened. Uh, Luke Perry broke out when he was cast as Fred Andrews, the demanding father of lead character... Archie in Riverdale. Welcome home, Ferris. Sneaking out, breaking curfew, getting into fights. Dad, don't freak out, okay? I was with Josie helping the Pussycats with a song they're doing at that Taste of Riverdale thing. And I was hoping you would let me go. No, Archie, you don't get to go wherever you want, whenever you want, and damn what anyone else says. Dad. This is not about my behavior. This is about your behavior. We're done here. I thought it was a great turn uh, to do the Riverdale role because it's sort of a wink and a nod at I was in a high school melodrama and now I'm the parent in a high school melodrama. And I thought he pulled it off with a lot of grace. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. Keep talking about Luke Perry. If you're shopping while working, eating or even listening to this podcast, then, you know, and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, and Walmart, and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. 
So download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's Rakuten. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Riverdale was an enormous hit, Jason. It gave Perry a level of fame he hadn't enjoyed in 17 years since the end of Beverly Hills 90210. He once again was featured on magazine covers and did the talk show circuit, not so much this time to celebrate his sex appeal, though he undeniably maintained those good looks even into his middle age, but to instead focus on his remarkable comeback. Quentin Tarantino, a director with a track record for breathing new life into the careers of once famous actors, think of John Travolta in Pulp Fiction or Pam Greer in Jackie Brown, saw Perry in Riverdale and immediately cast him without an audition as a real-life actor Wayne Maunder in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, playing opposite Leonardo DiCaprio. Not yet, I ain't. Say, where'd you get that lamp? From the war. Hmm. Which side? I rode with the British cavalry in India. Now, I thought this was so astute of Luke Perry at this juncture in his career, because Quentin Tarantino is known for doing this. He did it. And we've talked about, you know, John Travolta, who was Saturday Night Fever. He was a dancing machine. And then he put on a little weight. He's faded a little bit into obscurity. And then Pulp Fiction brought back the new John Travolta. And then he becomes an action star for the 90s. This broken thousands broken action air. movie, face off and the whole thing. Right? Yeah. And, and so if Quentin Tarantino taps you, he sees something in you and and. I thought Luke Perry was wise enough to know, hey, he doesn't want the matinee idol. He wants sort of the faded matinee idol. And I thought he played this pitch perfect. It's a small role in Once Upon a Time, but I thought he did it brilliantly. It's a small, small role, but once you get into Tarantino's orbit, you all of a sudden become a big star. I mean, we've seen it so many times that, you know, the list goes on and on. John Travolta being maybe the most pro- predominant one, but... But it was, it was good, and he was at playing a character very, very different than... We talked about how all these 902 actors got typecast and they started playing the same roles. This one's very different. He's sort of a feat and, and, and dainty. He's wearing, in the, in the scene, if you, if you see it, he's wearing like a Bengal tiger thing on his head. He's yes. very put together. He's from Boston. He's very well-spoken and... And very different than the dark and brooding character we came to know. Totally different. And look, he's sharing the screen with one of the biggest movie stars of all yeah. time in Leonardo DiCaprio. And I thought he held his own. He wasn't trying to sort of overplay the part. He knew who the big you know, celebrity yeah. was in that scene, but he still made, made an appearance that was lasting. So the typecasting that Perry and the others suffered from is really, so I think, just a consequence of starring in one of the most iconic television shows of a generation. The show was not only huge in its time, but it really did help change television. I don't think it's too much to, st- to say that without 90210, the world of television over the last 30 years is different. Um, when I was a kid, there were just three national TV networks. They're, they're not four. There was NBC and CBS and ABC. That's it. Fox was like where you went to like local news at nine o'clock and, and game shows on, on during the day. But then they got married with children in, 2000, in sorry, in 1987. They have The Simpsons comes out in 1989, and then 90210 comes out in uh, 1990, and it blows everything out of the water. It, 90210 was by far the most watched show on TV among young viewers, which of course gave it an outsized influence in pop culture. Simply put, it was just one of the most culturally significant shows of all time. Yeah, look, I don't think you're overstating this at all. When Fox came on the scene with Married with Children and The Simpsons, they were counter-programming. That's what they did. They said, we're going to be the edgy network. We've got The Simpsons making crude jokes. We've got Married with Children. If you want to watch, you know, sort of slick sitcoms, go ahead. We still have The Cosby Show. We have Cheers. We have Seinfeld coming along. You can watch those elsewhere. But if you want to come for irreverent young humor, this is where you come. And then when 90210 came along, it's, look, it is is a, a... 
teen drama. So this is the sandbox that other networks were already sort of playing in. This is a little bit more prestige than a sort of crude comedy about like a, a sitcom family like Married with Children. So it showed that they could play in that sandbox. And the show was hugely successful so and changed everything. This is a nighttime soap, right? They, yeah. You don't want to call it anything except a soap opera. That's what it was. In that space where it were Falcon Crest and Dallas and Dynasty, they were the, the nighttime soap operas. But they appealed to older demographics. Older demographics. And also, we'll get into this more, they're incredibly expensive to produce, right? You have Larry Hagman was a really established actor by the time. He could charge a premium. Here you have six stars. Nobody had ever heard of a single one of them. And they are now sort of making money hand over fist, obviously. But more importantly, they are changing television forever, really. It's hard to, I mean, I know, you know, most people still remember 90210, but it was the biggest show on television, the most influential show on television, and nothing came close. Yeah, to your point, it was proof of concept that the Fox network was here to stay. Now it is part of the establishment. Right. And after this move, when they're swimming in buckets of cash, they go out and buy what? They buy football. Yeah. And so now they have a day of football as well. And it, it really is now we think of the big four rather than the big three plus Fox. Right. So the show was enormous and the cast was famous around the world, but it really was Luke Perry who was the breakout star. And I wanted to emphasize this. At the height of his fame, he was on the cover of People, Entertainment Weekly, Tiger Beat, and Vanity Fair all in the very same month. I mean, that is a, on Tiger Beat and Vanity Fair in the same month is quite an accomplishment. At that point in time, yeah. too, when those magazines really mattered and who was on the yep. cover of them really mattered. He hosted SNL and did a self-mocking Simpsons cameo at around the same time. At an Orlando Mall in 1991, I read about this story where 20 girls were injured in a rush of teens trying to catch a glimpse of Perry. And later that year, he had to be smuggled out of a Seattle mall in a laundry hamper to avoid a similar occurrence. I mean, you read this stuff and it sounds like Beatlemania. It really was this at the time. This is when malls were the centerpiece of, of, of young culture in, in America. And you would have, you know, the Tiffany thing, the video is classic. But you had people show up at malls for, for, for showings and, you know, fans would come out. Nobody, no, there was no gathering as big as boisterous as there was for Luke, Luke Perry. Yeah, and he was not the star of the show to start with. He was the bad boy. He right, was, uh, you right. know, sort of Brenda's boyfriend who is the ne'er-do-well, but he really emerged as the biggest thing on the show. And when Cher Horowitz, who we all know was Alicia Silverstone's character in the 1995 movie Clueless, was asked why she was still a virgin in the movie, her bestie Dion chimed in to explain it this way. Cher is saving herself for Luke Perry. Now, that's a short clip, but it's obviously an iconic movie, Clueless, and it was so sort of in touch and in tune with what the pop culture was of the day that pointing that out and showing that that was the reference point right. for who Cher, who was the who was the prissiest, most beautiful girl in school, would save herself for it. it had let's, to be Luke Perry. Let's get this perspective. He's about the same age as George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, these guys were enormously famous at the time. Yes. Enormously famous. George Clooney was on ER, the biggest show. You know, not not competing in the, with the young audience like Nine Hundred Two and was, but ER was the biggest drama on television. She didn't mention George Clooney or Pitt or Leo DiCaprio or Johnny Depp was huge. She goes to Luke Perry. Yeah, it's it's very, very telling moment from that movie. Um, and Luke played the game well. He gave all the credit to others for his success. He was always exceedingly humble in interviews and remarked on the fleeting nature of fame whenever he could. Here's Luke just oozing charm in a 2001 interview on E.T. Um, you got you to gotta keep really in mind that it's not me they're coming out to see. It's, it's this character that I play. And um, I'm very... Very flattered that it's gone over as well as it has, because certainly, like you said, no one expected that it would. But I think it's real good to know that, uh, yeah, you know, a year ago I was shoveling asphalt, and a year from now I could be doing it again. They're screaming Luke, because they know that's what my name is, but um, 
I don't. They don't really know Luke too well. You know, they they know Dylan. They know what they see, and um, they like that, and and that's a good thing. Because I wasn't real sure if Dylan was a very likable character when I first got a hold of him and started playing it. And one last point, which I alluded to earlier, was when the three Fox shows we mentioned earlier, The Simpsons, Married with Children, and Beverly Hills 90210, were at their absolute apex in the early 90s. They were bringing in tens of millions of viewers every week and reaping enormous profits. The shows all featured no-name producers and actors, as we discussed, so they were just making buckets of cash for this little struggling network. Uh, and really just playing with the big boys. So what did Fox do with all this money, Let's contextualize this for a second. Just a few years earlier, Rupert Murdoch, Australian billionaire, had bought Fox. And it was his aim to make it into something huge. So he starts out, he gets these three huge shows, right? Makes it sort of the go-to place for a young audience. Home runs. The Simpsons is still on the air. He's now sitting on hundreds of millions, billions of dollars in cash that he's been making over these years. Again, low low cost to produce, but they're attracting a teen audience. We know in television, the ad revenue goes to those people with a young audience, those shows with a young audience. So he takes all this money he's now got and he goes after the NFL. And it was a seismic shift. I mean, my whole life, the NFL on Sundays was NBC and CBS. And then ABCs were Monday night. All of a sudden, and that had been the way it had been for over 20 years. All of a sudden, here comes Fox, which nobody really respected and buy, buys the rights to, to the NFL on Sundays away from NBC. And ever since, Fox is now, I think, the leading voice in the, in the NFL. Oh, it absolutely it legitimized it as a true network peer of those other big three, not just the sort of bastard stepchild. But but for those three shows, they don't have the capital to make that buy. It's insanely expensive. They don't have the capital to make the buy. It, it's I don't want to overstate it. And maybe it's. No, go ahead and overstate Luke Perry is indirectly responsible (laughs) for the Fox, for Fox having NFL rights. Well, and not just NFL rights. Two years later, they're now on top of the world. They go and they start the Fox cable network, Fox News. And now, obviously, one of the biggest players in politics for the last 27 years, all relating back to the success of those three shows. Yeah, it's incredible. The seismic shifts that Beverly Hills 90210 created are undeniable. It's a sliding door moment. It, it really the is. The success of 90210, Married with Children, and The Simpsons leads directly to the NFL and Fox News Network. That's it. crazy. During his final years, even as his fame returned, Luke opted to remain out of the spotlight as much as possible. He was rarely seen in public and only did closely controlled interviews, typically from his house He didn't often reference his kids and pretty much never talked to the media about his fiancée, Wendy Bauer, whom he'd been dating for nearly 12 years and who apparently wanted no part in Luke's fame. They had, just a few days before his death, sent around a save-the-date announcement for their wedding the following August, shocking many people who were unaware he was even dating anyone. Following Luke's death, celeb watchers wanted to hear from Wendy, but she has steadfastly refused to comment on their relationship or on Luke's final days. She instead chose to issue only one short statement in which she expressed her sorrow and her undying love for the man she'd lost. She said, quote, I want to express my gratitude to everyone for the outpouring of love and support. The past 11 and a half years with Luke were the happiest years of my life, and I am grateful to have had that time with him. I also want to thank his children, family, and friends for their love and support. We have found comfort in one another and in the knowledge that our lives were touched by an extraordinary man. Extraordinary man. 